Yeah, I'm going to begin now. We're gathered here today to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is so important. Can't stress how important it is that we would remember and rejoice that Christ is risen. The Apostle Paul wrote to us in 1 Corinthians, his letter to the, to the Corinthians, in chapter 15, it's a famous passage where he talks about the resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, Paul said this, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Yet he goes on to say, but Christ has been raised. Praise God that, that he is, is alive. For how can a dead Savior save anyone? If Jesus was nothing more than a dead man, then we would still be in our sins, as the Apostle Paul said. We would have no hope of life after death. For if Christ had not been raised, then we would have no hope of having been raised in Jesus Christ. But if Christ has been raised, and he has, then all that he said and did is true. If Christ has been raised, then we by faith in him can say that we are forgiven. That I am a child of God, a part of his kingdom, his own body. If Christ has been raised and we have put our faith in him. Then death no longer reigns over us. Though we will all pass through the doorway of death. We can have the sure hope that we will be raised to life on the last day. And have fellowship with God for eternity. I say all of these things. To give a small taste of why it matters. Why it matters that we give careful attention to what the scriptures have to say about the resurrection. The consistent teaching of the Bible is that Jesus really lived, that he really did die on a cross for our sins, and that he really rose again. And so in the word of God, we have this testimony of many witnesses, all consistent with one another, all working together to demonstrate for us that Jesus rose again. Some saw the empty tomb. Others, many saw the risen Jesus and touched him, even ate with him. The Apostle Paul even tells us of his own testimony as a sworn enemy of the way the followers of Jesus Christ. 
he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And his life was changed. He saw that Jesus truly was the Messiah. That he had died and risen again. To many people, this marvelous news seems rather foolish. But as we shall see in God's word today, that the scripture's testimony is, is clear that Jesus rose from the grave. And so at the end of the day, we have a choice. We can accept the scripture's testimony or choose to live by our own interpretation of reality. We all must decide. Do I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? So if you would turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, we're going to look at this account of, of the resurrection in, in one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to see this clear testimony of Scripture, both in Luke and we'll look elsewhere, some of the other Gospels as well. I want to focus on four, uh, four things that we see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. There's many other things, but, but the testimony we have from the Gospel of Luke is the testimony of the empty tomb, a testimony of the angel's message to the women who were there at the empty tomb, the testimony of the Old Testament Scriptures, and the testimony of Jesus' bodily appearances to many witnesses. So we're going to look at all four of those things briefly this morning. Consider what does the Scriptures have to say about the historical reality of the resurrection? Do we believe? First, we're going to look at the empty tomb and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 1. Um, uh, just before, at the end of chapter 3, the women had seen where Jesus was buried, they, and they had prepared burial spices for Jesus. And so they're coming to the tomb, and Luke 24, verse 1 says this, But on the first day of the week, that being what corresponds to our Sunday, the first day of the week. At early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. We'll stop there. So these women who loved the Lord arrived at the tomb on the morning after the Sabbath had ended, Sunday morning. They were coming to prepare Jesus' body for burial. They weren't expecting what they were about to find. They found that the large stone that covered the entrance of the tomb was rolled away. And that was surprising, so they went and they looked in. And looking in, they did not 
find the body of the Lord Jesus. The tomb was empty. By itself, perhaps, an empty tomb does not seem that significant. When we consider the appearances of Jesus and the testimony of Scripture about how this took place, it is an amazing thing. And the women were not the only witnesses. They were the first, but they were not the only In Matthew's gospel, we're told there were guards. They were guarding it all night. And so they knew that the tomb was empty. In fact, they saw an earthquake or felt an earthquake and saw an angel descending. And they went and told the chief priests and the leaders of the Jews. They knew then that the tomb was empty. You can read about this in Matthew 24 or 20, uh, 28, sorry. But the Jewish leaders, knowing the tomb was empty, they didn't have a body. They couldn't produce something. So they made up a story and they paid the guards to to say that the body had been stolen. The guards knew the truth. The Jewish leaders had no answer. They knew the tomb was empty. Another person who saw the empty tomb was Peter. If you look in Luke 24, verse 12, Peter rose and ran to the tomb. The women had come back, and so he wanted to see for himself. So we have yet another witness. Stooping in and looking in, This is verse 12 again. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. And yet another testimony in the Gospel of John we're told not only did did Peter go, but John went with him. And they saw the burial cloths lying there. And, And in fact, one of the the handkerchief which went around the head, that was lying separately, all folded up, nice and neat. So we have these many details and descriptions from different witnesses of the empty tomb. And there have been a lot of objections by by people who are skeptical because, you know, how can somebody be raised from the dead? But... All of these objections that I have looked into um, really fall short when we consider all the people that knew the tomb was empty. Even the Jewish leaders had known. If they could have, they would have shown that the tomb was not empty. If they could have, they would have shown that somehow the disciples stole the body, but they couldn't prove it. It was nothing more than a rumor. So the empty tomb remains a faithful witness after all these years. And I understand if you're unsure of the resurrection, I can't answer all of your questions today. This morning, my purpose is to point us towards the consistent 
testimony of the word of God, that it fits together and that it's clear about what happened on that day in history. And I'll be happy to talk a little bit more in depth if you've got questions. I can get you some resources maybe. But in the end, we all must decide whether we believe what the Word of God says because this is the testimony of the Word of God. Let's continue and uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, we have the testimony of the empty tomb, verses 1 to 3. And in verses 4 to 7, we're going to look at the testimony of the angels. So these angelic messengers with dazzling clothes appeared suddenly and spoke to the women. And and they asked the women in verse 5, because the women were frightened. They said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has been raised. So the angels appear as messengers of the good news of the resurrection. A signpost that this is truly from God. This is according to what Jesus himself had said. They declare that he is the living one. He is not in the grave. And they... Remind the women of Jesus' own words. And remembering those words, these women believed. And they were the first witnesses of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And and this is what they said to the women. Verse 6. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. This was foretold by Jesus Christ. And here we see that he indeed was a true prophet. You can find in Luke 9 where Jesus prophesied this. He told the disciples... The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus spoke these words. He knew that these things must take place in order to fulfill the scriptures. He was the Messiah, the one about whom the prophet Isaiah spoke, the lamb who was led to the slaughter, the one about whom the David prophesied and said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. He was not speaking about himself. David was speaking about Jesus Christ, who is Lord even of David, even of King David. All this is consistent with the Old Testament scriptures. 
The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. I delivered to you of first importance. This is what really matters. And it's that, that which I also received, that Christ died for your sins or for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. These two verses sum up the Scriptures' testimony that the Messiah, God's promised deliverer, would die for our sins and rise again. And you know, this testimony is so important. Not only did Jesus foretell it before He died and rose again, but He points back to it twice in our chapter in Luke 24. Jesus appeared to his disciples and he opened the scriptures so that they would see how God's word testified of him. The first time we see this is on the road to Emmaus. Perhaps you can see that if it's if your Bible has a heading in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. And we're going to skip ahead a little bit in that story to verse 27. As Jesus drew near to, to these two disciples, but their eyes, verse 15 tells us, were kept from recognizing him. And so they told him their little story about Jesus and what had happened. I always thought that was a kind of funny moment in the Bible. Here is Jesus risen, and they're telling him about what happened. But he's going to explain to them all that the scriptures said about himself. Luke 24, 27. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Luke 24, 27. And they still did not believe at, at first until... He went, and verse 30, he, he was going to eat with them. They convinced him to sit down for a meal. He took bread, he blessed it and broke it. What does this remind us of? It reminds us of the night on which he was betrayed when he did just that. And their eyes were opened, verse 31. And then they said, wow, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked on the road and opened the scriptures? And they went back. And when they had come back, we are told Jesus appeared to the disciples and he spoke to them. And so the, the 11 disciples, they also heard what the two on the road to Emmaus heard. Luke uh, 24, 44. Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that forgiveness and repentance, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name 
to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So here, Jesus opens up to them what the scriptures had to say about the Lord Jesus Christ, about himself. He says that he would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And then that this is the mission of Acts, and Luke will go on to, to tell of the apostles and all that they did through the work of the Holy Spirit that repentance and forgiveness should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, starting in Jerusalem. Well, that's a pretty bold thing to say. And for the scriptures to keep uh, coming back to this and, and going back to the Old Testament. You know, does the Old Testament really predict those things? There's a lot of places we could turn to in the Old Testament. Just give you one example. In the book of Acts, just after the Holy Spirit had come upon the disciples, the Apostle Peter preaches a sermon, the first sermon in the New Testament uh, of the Apostles. He preaches it to the Jewish people. And he speaks of Christ from the Old Testament Scriptures. Peter quotes from Psalm 16. In Psalm 16, he quotes several verses, but he quotes especially verse um, 11. I believe it's 11. Psalm 16, 11. You, have, you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. So in Acts chapter 2, Peter quotes Psalm 16. You will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. And Peter rightly applies this to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 31. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. He both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So it's not about David, is it? He's in the grave, right? Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he, David, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, the place of the dead, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses. So here Peter gives us one example as he's talking to the Jewish people where the scriptures testify that Jesus Christ is the Messiah who rose again according to the Scriptures. He goes on and he quotes another psalm that I, I, I quoted, but I didn't reference it. Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And that too could not be speaking of David, for David is not the Lord sitting at the right hand of God? For he died, and he's in the grave. A great saint, but yet not 
the Lord of all. And so these passages testify of Jesus Christ. So we have the testimony of the empty tomb, the testimony of the angels, of the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. And finally, we have the testimony of Jesus appearing to many witnesses. So remember the the two guys on the road to Emmaus, they were they saw Jesus and they come hurrying back. And so while they're telling the disciples about what happened and and they heard, well, Peter saw Jesus. And while they were talking about these things, Luke 24, verse 36, we'll pick it up the story there. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them. Peace to you. They they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So he put them to the whole test. They might know. And when he said this, verse 40, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still disbelieved for joy, they were so excited it was like going over their heads to imagine this. And they were marveling. And so he said to them, verse 41, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish And he took it and ate before them. It's amazing, isn't it? Kind of wish I would have been there. It's hard for many people to accept, though. Could this really have happened? Some people have suggested, well, maybe they just saw a vision. They had a hallucination. They were just so so worn out from grieving that all of a sudden their minds started playing tricks on them. Or, you know, one man, sometime back in like 1980s or something, he, he um, wrote that the disciples must have been eating psychedelic mushrooms. And I kind of chuckle at that. That that's kind of how far people have to go to object to all this testimony that we have for the resurrection. But even something like taking psychedelic mushrooms or drugs can't explain the fact that the tomb was still empty or how all the disciples saw the exact same vision of Jesus at the very same time. Or for that matter, why the disciples would go to their death saying that Jesus Christ was their hope, whether they lived or died. Theories like this are really the ones that don't make sense. They're not a reason to disbelieve. That said, many, many people hold to these kinds of views. So it's, it's good to be able to point them 
and point ourselves back to the Word of God. What does God's Word have to say? Going back to Jesus' appearance, He not only appeared to the eleven, to the, the two on the road to Emmaus in Luke, but we are also told that Jesus appeared to some of the disciples on a boat. He told them which side to cast their nets, and they caught some fish, and He had a fire and ate with them. We are told of a time when Jesus appeared even to 500 at once in Galilee. That's how many the Apostle Paul said had seen him, and many, he said, were still alive at that time, which he wrote. It's quite a claim if this was all a hoax. You know, we may not have the experience of seeing the risen Jesus before us as the disciples had or Mary or the two on the road to Emmaus, but we have the Word of God. And I want to encourage you today that that is more than enough testimony. Through the Word of God, we too can encounter the risen Savior, the one who is Himself the very Word of the Lord. In God's Word, we read of these many witnesses, those who saw the empty tomb, who heard the words of the angels and remembered the testimony of Jesus' own words, those who saw Him face to face. Now, perhaps most amazing of all, we have this great testimony of the Old Testament Scriptures which Declare all of these things before they happen. That validate all of the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. Down to the very last detail. Maybe the resurrection still seems a little bit foolish to you. you, you know, Or maybe you believe it, but it's just one of those hard things. It's like, I don't get this, but I guess I'll believe it. Well, I want to encourage you, first of all, that the 11 disciples, you know, they thought it was an idle tale at first, too, when the women came and told them about this. But all of Scripture bear witness to the resurrection. And we have these many proofs, these many testimonies that leave us with a choice. The real question here when we think about the resurrection is do we believe the Word of God? Because we can't be there to see it happen. We can't be there to touch Jesus' side and to hold His hand. Do we trust the Word spoken by God, though we cannot see these things? Do we believe in the resurrection, though we, we cannot see Him eating bread and fish? after he was crucified on a Roman cross. Jesus said to Thomas in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 29, Have you believed because you have seen me? 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The Apostle Peter also wrote in the scripture that we uh, read this morning in our time of, of song. Seeing, though we have not seen him, yet we believe. So remember all these different testimonies. Testimony of the empty tomb, the words of the angels, the witnesses of Jesus, and all these Old Testament scriptures. I encourage you, take time to search through the Old Testament and to see how the Lord Jesus Christ is, to, is revealed to us there. You know, the gospel in many ways is almost clearer in places like Isaiah 53, where we see it so vividly, the cross. So we have more than enough to believe in the resurrection. We have the testimony of God's word. The question is, do we believe? And if you can say that your only hope, whether you live today or whether you die, is that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, then praise God. Praise God for you have a hope that is stronger than the grave. A living hope. And that hope is, is not simply a vague feeling, but it is a person who really is alive. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is risen. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for the testimony of your word that we have and those many witnesses who told uh, of you and who wrote down these testimonies that we read in your word. And oh Lord, at times our faith is very weak and, and our hope is in so many other things than your death and resurrection. But I thank you that we can come back to these things, remember them, proclaim them, and know that hope is found in what you have done on the cross. Hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ, and we can rejoice together in that. We pray for the grace and the strength to continue on in remembering these things, and that we would be ourselves a living testimony, though we have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ, a testimony for we believe in your Son. We thank you that we can ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, and we do pray in his name. Amen.